I really want to like Linux. I like Linux terminals. I like interacting with virtual machines that run Linux. I, every six months or so, try and install it on my workstation in my home office and it never goes well. And I, it mostly comes down to the fact that Linux does not want to have a monitor attached to it. <laughs> And it really hates when you try to attach a monitor to it because like KDE and GNOME and all the other like desktop variants all suck at figuring out things like... We should have been talking about this as a topic. Here, start recording. Let's do this. Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2023. We're your host, Tom Upon, Zach Mayer. Say, where's Ruli? He's gone. He's never coming back. He's once, been taken hostage. Once again, he has been taken hostage by small, little, ape-like creatures that live in his house. That, that was a human joke. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bad no, joke. Humans are weird. Yeah, it's true. And this, dear listener, is Quest 296. Which OS are you rocking in 2023? Zach, this was just you and I talking on the mic check. And I was like, Jesus Christ, we should be just doing this on the podcast. So I think we're going to have to go back and talk about some of the things we just <laughs> talked about. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll kick us off just by I was bitching about Mac OS, right? And I, I think my thesis statement here very, very simply was, hey, maybe Mac OS was great 10 or even 20 years ago. But Mac, like they always have done for the last 10 to 20 years, is just resting on their laurels. And I am just thoroughly unimpressed with Mac OS. I, I just, I think its user interface and UX design is lacking. I'll say it that way. Um, and as you pointed out, oh, cool, it was based on Unix. Well, great. Windows has the Linux subsystem now. Next advantage, please. And I'm just, I'm not yeah. feeling it, man. So what is, I don't think we should got into, what is your experience with, with Mac? I mean, mostly, yeah, mostly just workstation, right? Like, I use it for work, and I have been using it for work for, like, the last four or five years. And I didn't really ever use Mac except for, incidentally, before that. It depends on how far back you go, though. Because, like, the first computer in my house was a Mac when I was growing up. Uh, That's long, long ago. In the before it was time. a long, long time ago, and like it was, it was super cool. Like we had the Encarta CDs for the <laughs> uh, the the what you call it encyclopedia, and uh, you know maps, MapQuest CDs, and oh, uh, Dark Forces was uh, ran on Mac. That was super fun. Dino Park Tycoon. No, that one I didn't know. <laughs> so like. I mean, it's fun to see the evolution over the long time scale for what you know Apple has done with their OS design, and they served a really important counter, like they they served a purpose in the industry for a long, long time, and that was really just a foil to Microsoft. Microsoft and IBM courted you know business and government and industry and did a really good job with that. Mac went all in on consumer electronics and it was great because people in industry would start to see in their own devices or you know the things that you know, people around them were using as personal computing devices the advances that were being made in user interface design and accessibility and on and on in that space and a lot of it spills over right 
Like, there are a lot of good things to be said about the Mac operating system as a driver for improvement overall. That said, you're not wrong. Like, they've definitely been slower to innovate in that space lately. And, you know, you could maybe be generous and say that, oh, well, they've been focusing much more on their, you know, mobile OS, iOS uh, stuff. That's changed reason at a reasonable pace uh, since 2007. And sure, I guess... Yeah, no, look, but I'm, even that's I'm not, starting to get stale. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm not taking away from their history or their legacy. I'm saying no. in the modern era, in 2023, I am underwhelmed with Mac OS. And yes, they, you know, innovated with smartphones. The iPhone was just an absolute change in human civilization, undebatably. And I'm not taking away from that either. And uh, as we've talked about, I think, previously on the cast... In the current, again, in 2023, iOS is becoming more secure than Android, which is kind of fucking terrifying. So I'm, I'm not trying to shit on them as a company. I, I think I do that a lot. I think a lot of it's justified, and I'm not exactly a fan. But I'm not trying to shit on them, right? I'm just trying to say macOS yeah. underwhelms the living fuck out of me. There, there are some things you can say is way better, like just dragging applications in the application folder. Well, yeah, that ain't so bad as opposed to knowing which program files or God help you, the Windows registry. But I look at that shit as mostly things of the past anyway. Again, as opposed mm. to modern Windows isn't nothing uses the fucking registry. You know, everything nowadays is 64 bit. And you have the Linux subsystem. Uh, you just have compatibility with everything in its mother. Basic usability. I, I didn't start it on the actual just UX of the goddamn OS. It's <laughs> it's way better. It really, Sorry, Windows really is. Uh, fucking Mac usability sucks. It really does. Hell, my Chrome um, OS, I think, has better usability in many ways. There are, yeah, and it's it's gotten way way better. But like even recent things, one of the one of the recent things that Windows has gotten really since ten, I guess maybe it was an eight a little bit, but uh, desktop switching. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, I do. And Windows did add that, right? Yeah, they did. They did. But like relatively recently in the, the time scale of operating system development, Mac did that first where you had, you know, your full screen apps that you could page back and forth between. Yeah. I used to think that was a really stupid fucking thing. But honestly, it's great because when you're in a mobile workspace, like actually using your laptop as a laptop or even in a single monitor workspace, um, being able to, you know, use your mouse gesture or a it's it's one like uh, i think it's the command arrow keys to switch back and forth between your like desktop modes or your applications makes it way easier to get to the things that you need to get to um versus just like having a bunch of windows stacked on top of each other yeah um... and you know we solved that way back when with just having multiple monitors like even at work (laughs) right it was uncommon to have fewer than two monitors as a software engineer 10 years ago or five years ago my entire career yeah and like even today i still prefer having multiple monitors for me because i'm used to it but i can definitely get away with one and like in my homework setup, I have my Mac on a KVM with my Windows PC. The Mac only uses the one monitor. Granted, it's a big ultra-wide, sure. Well, <laughs> so that, yeah, that's I can, cheating in this, in this argument. I, 
I, I mean, I can I can have two things open on the same screen at once, but I still do a lot of like desktop switching with the applications in that mode. I don't really do that in Windows, even though Windows can do it and arguably does it even better. So you know. So I've I've never I, been big into the multiple desktop thing. Uh, to your point, I think on a single monitor or a laptop, that's probably. Uh, way more useful than on a conventional desktop because you have less, you're less real estate constrained. The, mm-hmm. Now, the one thing though, I will. And by the way, dear listeners, stick around. We're going to talk about Steam OS and Linux in a second. It'll be way more entertaining hearing you know us, <laughs> but me specifically, bitch about Mac OS. Stick around. I got to tell you though, the Windows thing. Now, a moment ago, you said, "Oh, you can use the command arrow keys to move between the desktops." That's nice, but. You know, Mac doesn't even support like a mag. Uh, I-, I had to pay, I think, eight bucks for an extension called Magnet because they don't support oh, yeah. the window uh, dragging <laughs> and docking, which is like I know. I have the same thing. Yeah, I love it. I love Magnet. I need it. But Windows did it first. Yeah, and I and I had to go get Magnet because Windows did it. Like this was a basic innovation that is again. It was Windows Seven. That's over a decade ago. Is when this fucking thing mm-hmm. was introduced. Mac, catch the fuck up. And so, okay, you can make the argument that the desktops replace that. But even then, I'm, I'm not going to really buy into that because I like to be able to dock the windows and split them with other windows. And that's super useful, um, which just this kind of then brings us into the whole conversation about how Mac treats windows in general or applications. I do not like the application is launched and then you have the different window copies. And, okay, part of that is preference for maybe stupid or muscle memory reasons. But, dude, I fucking hate that when you click on that stupid dock, which is not a great piece of, like, UX, when you click on that dock, it opens or tries to focus all of the windows of that type. So if I have multiple browsers open and the tabs are blown out in multiple windows, which I do every minute of every day, by the way, it just tries to focus all of them. Whereas Windows has yeah. the, the the hover, it has the preview, I can click on the different window that I want. Mac is like, oh, no, no, you got to right click. And then there's uh, the list in text of which one you want. But if you if you click it, and you have like two windows on top of each other, it won't. It's like, this is, guys, this is just not good user experience. Like, I have multiple windows. You are not giving me any user interface that allows me to select them. When you do Alt-Tab on a Mac, it does it by application not by active window on the desktop. Again, I installed an open source fucking plugin called Alt-Tab that allows me to do this. Really annoying to me. I'm like, guys, this, I, I feel like, again, there's things that are muscle memory for me. There's things that I just never got into the paradigm. I'm trying to keep those biases aside. The user experience of, yeah, we don't really help you use multiple windows. We help you treat an application is just bad. It's just not as useful or versatile or flexible as the ability to control and, and dock the fucking windows. And it drives me bonkers. Yeah, no, it's not super fun. I don't know. I think the By the way, idea... Chrome OS adopted that. Chrome Ooh. OS lets you dock windows with uh, moving. I, I, don't, I forget what the alt or the command key is. Um, Chrome OS fucking supports it. <laughs> fucking Mac does it. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, it's wild. I mean, it, you could also look at it and be like, oh, well, you know, there's an extension. And we, if we introduce a first-party feature, then we're, like, you know, killing somebody's business. But, you know, fuck it. Fuck it. You gotta, dude, fuck you got to learn. Fuck you got to learn. Em. You got to make your Buy product better. 
buy them out. You're a trillion dollar company. Yeah, or that. Which is why it doesn't feel. <laughs> which is why it doesn't feel bad to talk shit about Apple because they're a trillion dollar company. Yeah. It's always punching up. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I got. Okay. I think aside from the dock is annoying and you can't control where it's locked at. It can't go. If you have vertically stacked monitors, you can't control where it lands. It goes to the bottom of the fucking Y axis. It's really annoying. I think one of the last things I'll mention, so I just, this isn't the whole podcast of just Tom complains. And that, that's not true. I could complain about their keyboard shortcuts. I could complain about a lot of stuff. But Finder, I am not a big fan of Finder. Now, again, that might just be because I'm used to Windows. Uh, I don't like the default of your folders are organized by date in the files. That seems terrible to me. I, I know you can change it, but it seems terrible. I'll tell you, though, here's something that is fundamentally fucking annoying to me. With Windows, at the top of uh, Explorer, there is a bar. You can just type in your path. You can copy-paste. You can do whatever you want. With Mac, you have to do, uh, was it Control or Command-Shift-G to open the control to, like, if I have a path in my clipboard and I want to go there, I have to do Control-Shift-G to paste the path and then go to it. Like, yeah. really? Really? Yeah. There's no visual way to do that. There's no, like, not command way to do that. Like, oh, I know. It's are you wild. kidding me? I, it's a file path. I just want to go there, and you can't. It's, it's just like you know, I was saying like Mac went all in on being a consumer electronics oriented business, and that's great. Except that they're also a Unix machine, which makes them real attractive for software development and creative work in general. So they're ha- they have this weird by Fricated experience of like, yeah, we're gonna be easy to use. And we're gonna hide the weirdness, and we're gonna you know make it as give you you know fewer options. Avoiding tyranny of choice is a reasonable <laughs> design decision. Not gonna not gonna fault them for that. But at the same time, we're also gonna you know be an OS for power users, and we're gonna make those power users use their power to get to anything that's actually useful to them. It's just. <sighs> I, I don't know. Maybe I, I I feel weird complaining about it because it's entirely possible uh, that I just do not know enough about the Mac OS configurability to solve the problems uh, that I would talk about. Yeah, I feel and like somebody would be like, oh, yeah, no, you just got to go into the system settings and change this option and then all of your problems are solved away. forever. See and that? I'm like, okay, great, but <laughs> I really wish that somebody besides a comment section on the internet would tell me that. Oh, God, yeah. No, and it, like you can't <laughs> find this kind of shit in like some kind of Mac help or something. Just to be no. fair, you probably can't find that kind of shit in Linux, uh, not Linux, uh, Windows either. So, okay, no. throwing stones in a glass house. But, like, no, no, I agree that you and I sitting here complaining is probably not fair. I have friends that love Mac and are good at Mac, and they could probably defend uh, a bunch of these things or again give counterpoints at minimum i just am not impressed with the ux of the damn thing at all um if someone wants to say oh well it's great because you have terminals the other thing even then everyone every major developer i know <laughs> major every uh developer worth their salt that i know d- installs custom terminals onto mac anyway so like yes you have the terminal but again windows has this with the linux subsystem now it already had it with like git bash um you can bring in the BNU or the GNU toolkits. 
we already had this, and the Mac Basic Terminal is actually not that hot. All of my friends install custom terminals to make it better. So again, the mm-hmm. argument really just comes down to Unix. And yeah, that was better than than fucking uh. What, what, oh my god, I can't think of what, what was Windows under the hood. What's the term? Uh, oh. DOS. Yeah, well, originally it was DOS. System thirty two. I don't fucking remember. Unix was sure. better. Uh, yes, you win. You're right. End of conversation. No debate. Outside of that, I am just not thrilled with it. I I thought of another thing to complain about. Um, this. <laughs> No, but th- these Perfect. are like things that I'm like, this is this is fundamentally stupid. This one yeah. is exceedingly dumb. Like, I, I honestly have not been able to think of an argument in favor of it. So, Mac has this concept of a location. And you go into the, the you know, little Mac icon, the upper left, and you say, what's my location? And this is like a, a set of settings that it changes for things, including your network settings. So, I run a pie hole. And I want a direct, that's a DNS uh, blocker, dear listener, if you don't know, or a DNS server in your house that acts as an ad blocker, effectively, at the DNS level. It's awesome. Um, I run a Pi-hole, Zach. I want to configure my Mac to use the Pi-holes, the DNS server, when it's on my network. You can't do that. You can configure the DNS for a given location, but that location is not inferred or set by what wi-fi network i connect to i have to manually change it every fucking time so i go to the office and my laptop's like hey i don't have access to the internet i'm like yes you do i just have to change your location so you're not my home hey zach (laughs) where am i yeah do you think my wi-fi network is at a given location in the world this is not my beautiful (laughs) wi-fi It is so dumb. It doesn't infer the location from the network. It's like, oh, well, uh, you have to you have to tell me where you are. Really? Because I think that network is at a given place on the Earth. It is so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. I hate it. Yeah. No, it really is. Can you think of a single argument in favor of that? Like, oh, the user will control the location and not use the control the network itself. Not You can't set a DNS property for a network. You've set for a location. These two are different, distinctly different things. Why? I can't think of a single advantage for that. Not one. I. Nope. So the only thing, the only thing that I could maybe use as a defense for that, and it's weak. In general, if you are asking somebody for input for your system, you don't want to make assumptions on the user's behalf and change that input to something that was not intended. So maybe that's the like guiding design principle that that stems from, but it's it's like I said, it's a weak defense because the 99% case says you want to assume a different like location profile based on the most relevant piece of location data should be like the Wi-Fi that you connect to. You are stretching right? so hard here. I am. I am. I'm really trying hard. But like, yeah, no, you could you could just have an option that says, you know, don't use my network as my location discriminator, whatever that looks like. And, you know, or don't don't change my location without telling me. And have a, con- a confirmation dialogue or, or something. Maybe let me set my network settings per network. Or you could have 
the yeah. defaults and then i could just change the defaults maybe those could be held yeah. to a profile so like, let me change the goddamn setting for this network on this network's configuration yep <laughs> yeah no it's like um it's like trying to tell a child to use its inside voice, right? <laughs> like you're 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 basically saying behave differently based on where you are, and if you cannot get it to listen to you, the only option is violence. No, no, I'm kidding. Don't don't hit children. Um, Just hit computers. And... <laughs> don't tell ChatGPT a... though. <laughs> there's a there's an article that I like to reread like once a year or so, and I've brought it to you before more than once. I'm sure programming sucks. You know the one I'm talking about. Uh, you've talked about several over the years. I know about the monks who forget things. It, well, there's uh that's uh one of the like um oh gosh what was that? I'm gonna have to remember the name of it. But yeah, no, if you just go into Google and type programming sucks, it's the first thing that comes up on stilldrinking.org. It's an article from 2014. Anyway, there's this bit in it I am going to find and read to you. Uh, One of my coworkers has the saying, computers were a mistake, and now all of us say that to each other. Yeah, no, computers were definitely a mistake. Yeah, okay, here it is. The only reason coders' computers work better than non-coders' computers is that coders know computers are schizophrenic little children with autoimmune diseases, and we don't beat them when they're bad. So, okay. yeah. No, it, it, computers were a mistake. Uh, at the very least, they are immunocompromised children. And, you know, if you if you come at it from that perspective, then maybe that gives you the the mind space to have some patience with it, because you can't do anything else but have patience. <laughs> okay, let's let's get to a lighter light note. Let's let's stop pitching about Mac and Apple in general. Um, so another thing we were talking about, Zach, is you know what what operating system would we want to use? Now we've bitched about mac we haven't really praised much about windows you were complaining specifically about the um uh the ads that are now built in and oh so, yeah you know i was saying oh my god i want to put my money on on steam os i want a world where steam os is such a viable option as an open source well it's not open source actually but a a free operating system with proton that has such amazing windows compatibility that I can just run any windows app on this thing and i would just flock to this motherfucker um you were, yeah. you were saying you try Linux every now and then, and you don't really get into it. <laughs> I, I mean, and I'm not any different, but for me, it's the app compatibility. It's that I install it, and I go, well, I sure could use the command line, but I can't run anything else. So yeah. it, what we're, else prevents you from, from being into Linux? We're going to have to circle back to Windows before we finish this, but... Yeah, well, continuing we just do on Windows Linux. now if you want. I don't care. Well, now let's let's circle back because you 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 brought up Linux and we've got more to say. <laughs> so, like, I, I love I, I love Linux. I love interacting with the Linux terminal. I love virtual Linux machines. But you know, every six months or so, every year at least, I will try to install Linux like on my personal computer at home and. Uh, usually I'll try and run it like bootloaded, you know, on a separate partition and, yeah. uh, it, because I don't want to like deal with trying to do any other switching with it, but uh, I'll do that and it'll go fine. And I'll try a few different distributions, 
But Linux seems to universally, at least across all the different permutations that I try, really hate monitors. Uh, it really doesn't like having a monitor connected to it, and it really hates you for trying to connect a monitor <laughs> to it. And it's like all all of the desktop systems for Linux, you know, KDE and GNOME and uh, oh, I forget the other one that's major, but they they all Ubuntu just well, no, Ubuntu is a Linux distribution, but it's not the desktop. Ubuntu can use KDE or GNOME depending oh, okay. on how you configure it. Oh man, I'd forget. Okay, now I'm, I'm sorry. This is coming back to me. I'd forgotten this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, it's cool because like, oh man, you can customize everything. You can do whatever you want. You can make it as personalized as you want. Um, and a lot of distributions do a reasonable job of trying, at least, to set smart defaults. But man, if you've got anything beyond like a 1080p screen in a standard, like, what is it? Not 16.9, that's ultra wide. 4.3 is too small. You know what I'm talking about? The, 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 ratio yeah i i don't fucking remember anymore it just defaults to my monitor and i yeah. don't care uh, yeah if you if you if you don't have like the right monitor and you don't have just the exact right hardware or if for whatever reason you know you're using a new video card and trying to update drivers for it oh man it's just fucking pulling teeth and even and even and this is the part that pisses me off the most even if you get it right and everything is working, and you can, you know, do everything that you want to do. As soon as you turn that machine off and turn it back on, there's a 50-50 shot that it'll just <laughs> fucking forget everything that you told it and fail to load entirely. See, I, I haven't had this experience, because one, I, I don't install Linux that often. It's actually been a couple of years since I've, I've actually tried. And I've only ever done it with just one monitor, plug that thing in. I've never bothered trying to upgrade video drivers for Linux, because there's nothing to fucking play on Linux. <laughs> so well, I, yeah. I, guess I just haven't even tried to do these things. So I, I like to do it, because it's it, it's it's a Linux terminal. It's basically the same terminal that you get. It's Bash, right? So, you know, it's the same functionally the same working environment that I use on a daily basis at my job. And yeah, you can do the same thing with like the Windows subsystem and that's great and whatever. But you know, having a dedicated machine that I can turn on for that work that is natively exactly what I use at work is an appealing prospect. The problem is if that machine is anything other than a terminal, it just fucking explodes. And maybe that's on me. Maybe. I can I can back up a step and be like, okay, it's my fault. Earlier, when Zach tried to configure his monitors. Because I don't have just the one monitor, and it's not just an ultra-wide, it's also two side monitors that I have in portrait mode. So my, my window, or my, my monitor scape looks like a big H. A big capital H. Um... Yeah, orienting displays in any Linux distribution <laughs> requires a computer science degree. Well, like, I have there one are of those, commands so maybe that, I'm fine. There are commands that you can run <laughs> to make it work, but there are no native options in the biggest uh, like desktop distributables to do that with a multi-monitor setup. 
to have multiple monitors and some of them not oriented the same way. What the fuck? Look, dude, again, I just haven't even tried. So, okay, let's say you're completely right. All right, now let's, again, let's scroll into the future a little bit and say SteamOS has just, again, massive compatibility for Windows apps. Uh, It takes off. Come on, man, someone's going to build a fucking desktop that doesn't suck. Someone's just going to recreate Windows 10 on that thing. Someone's going to make the fucking settings for multi-monitors work. I, I mean, how could they not? How could they not for the last 25 years, Tom? For the last because 25 no years, Tom. The damn thing. There was nothing to use on it. <laughs> I mean, you're you you bring up a good point. Like gaming is a massive motivator for innovation in this space in particular. And the fact that SteamOS is being really really uh well supported for the Steam Deck in particular means that some of that innovation, some of that investment in the technology is going to spill over to a desktop implementation. I believe that SteamOS on the Steam Deck works as well as it does because they have exactly one monitor to deal with at a known resolution, and that doesn't change. From from Valve's point of view, I'm sure you're right. No <laughs> doubt, 100%. Don't doubt it. Now, I've, you know, I, I subscribe to like r slash Steam Deck, right? There's a ton sure. of people that have been using it as a desktop. So it does work. It does support it, probably using some native Linux app or fork. Um, but I'm, I'm sure you're totally correct about that base use case for Valve proper. But again, if it were to become more prevalent to use as an operating system, that's going to get fixed, dude. I hope so. I really do. Okay, so let's... Because again. if it gets if it gets fixed there and then backported into any of the open source desktop uh, things... Like that'd be amazing. Well, so that's like the... just just fucking monitor support is such a basic thing <laughs> that has not been gotten right for twenty five years. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay, so isn't that the thing though? Like Linux gaming, thank you Valve, is finally really becoming a thing. Uh, almost. I mean, not that it didn't exist before. Nerds can, sure. can you know yell at me in the non-existent comment section. Um, but like Valve is making it a thing because of the Steam Deck, right? Now, if Linux gaming takes off, I feel like that is, or not, and that's the thing, it's not just Linux gaming. Because Valve is using the Proton compatibility later, it opens up this world of possibility for all Windows apps to come onto Linux. And I feel mm-hmm. like that that's it. That's the turning point. Like, you can oh, finally yeah. use all this Microsoft, not Microsoft tech, right? But all these things designed to run on the Microsoft ecosystem can now finally exit that ecosystem. And so let's yep. assume for a moment that they fix the monitor problem that you are very hung up on. I mean, I'm hung up on way smaller I things. Just, than that. It's so <laughs> fucking stupid. It's so fucking stupid that that is the barrier that keeps me from using Linux on a daily basis. I mean, you know, it's a, it's like, a primary thing, right? We can't argue like that's how no, you interface it's, with it's, the goddamn monitor. It's a blocker. It's just the dumbest one. So, okay. Assuming they fix that, would you be interested in, in doing something like trying steam os as an operating system for yourself oh absolutely absolutely because like i run windows on my personal machine my personal machine is almost entirely for gaming these days like i do some side projects sure and i'm like i've got things like uh vs code installed and i can you know build software in whatever language that i choose and that's cool and all but i do it fairly rarely to the point where I could get away with just like having a separate laptop for that kind of thing and it wouldn't bother me 
if Linux gaming as a primary OS for gaming, you know, supported all of the things that I wanted to do with it, um, yeah, hundred percent. Like I'd be all over it, especially things that are tuned for that, right? Because like Windows is very much in the business of being everything for everyone, and they don't always hit the mark. And we can talk more about Windows here in a minute. But uh, having one of one of the one of the peak principal advantages of Linux as a technology is that you can tune it for your specific use case. You know that's why you see it everywhere. It's in integrated systems. It's in you know virtual machines. It runs all of your virtualization for Docker and Kubernetes and whatever. Um, and every instance of it can be exactly what you need it to be. And if one of those use cases is gaming, which again, or at least, which admittedly is a fairly wide, deep lake to have as a quote-unquote specific use case, tuning an operating system specifically to play games is not something that you can do with any other system. So yeah, it'd be super attractive, and it'd be really, really cool, I think. Uh, Valve's done a really good job lately of making the investment into their user interface that's starting to tick over into just Steam itself now. Uh, their mobile app has gotten way better it was, in the last year. It was just a few months ago they released some major update that, you know, you, you have talked on the cast before about how there were 50 types of buttons in Steam. And it was just God, a few months yeah. ago they released some major update that unified the fuck out of that thing. I know. It's been wild. Like, they've made massive, massive changes, largely for the better. And uh, I still like to see UX designers uh, talk about Steam because it's <laughs> it's such a chimera of different metaphors and things. The way that it's built, it is a legacy application at this point, uh, no question. Like, it's been around for the better part of 20 years. And uh, actually, no, Steam... Steam does turn 20 this year. Does I think. it really? Oh, Pretty sure. I think it. I think it does turn 20 this year. 2003. That that sounds about right. It's, it's oh like the end of the year, but or October maybe. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, uh, uh, I, I like watching UX designers pick apart Steam, uh, and I really like the uh, the folks that take Steam and like, especially the new updates that they've made, and be like, hey, this is great but it could be better, and they'll like redesign it and tweak it and play with stuff. Some of them are not great. <laughs> Some of the people that do that are just like, I want to change it to be my favorite you know, color of the week and whatever. That's fine. Some people have really interesting ideas, and so I like. it's been generating a lot of conversations in design space, and that's a good thing because FYI, they FYI, haven't been on, for a long on time. Steam, on uh, SteamOS, there's a plugin called Decky Loader, and Decky Loader has a whole bunch of plugins, including some pretty impressive performance improvement ones. But one of the ones they did put in is just the ability to uh, override the CSS of the primary app. So you can yeah. actually skin skin the SteamOS using nothing but CSS with a plug-in through Decky Loader. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Like, um, no, I, I think they've done a very good job lately of uh, improving things across the board. And, like, it's not just Steam, it's not just Steam OS. Uh, big Picture Mode has gotten updates. Uh, so has their mobile app. Their mobile app was atrocious a year ago. Uh, you know, I've never actually used it, to be honest. It's great. Well, it's where my Steam Guard lives. 
Um, Touche. And, like, just... I, I really, and I have to give them credit for this because I use it on uh, infrequently, but I have I have two Steam accounts that I use for different reasons. And uh, <laughs> switching between them, if you here. need to, or just be able, being able to log into Steam on another machine, uh, you can use their mobile app to scan a QR code that Steam on the desktop will pop up, and it will log you in if you're using your phone with SteamGuard on it. Uh, you don't have to type anything. You barely have to remember your username. It's yeah, pretty QR, cool. Yeah, QR code login stuff is pretty fucking nice, to be honest. Yeah, so like UX-wise, they've done a lot, and I have to give them a lot of credit. So if they pull that in and continue that trend in their Steam OS, uh, yeah, no, that'd be a really attractive system to use as a primary gaming operating system on a, on a home PC. Okay, so my, my last comment here before we transition to talking about Windows for a moment is just uh, there's a YouTuber who had this hilarious quote, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to paraphrase it here to say uh, that, yeah, if, like, if, if SteamOS is the happiest OS on, on the planet, then there's nothing to do at Disneyland, or I should have said Linux, because, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a great place, and uh, Linux is a great place, and there's nothing there until... Maybe now, finally, again, SteamOS will change that with with Proton <laughs> specifically. Okay, Zach, let's uh, let's fucking wrap this shit up by talking about Windows, which I so, have remarkably yeah. little to say about actually. But go ahead. No, let's let's talk about Windows. Um, you know, there's some good things for sure. Uh, you have mentioned Proton a couple of uh, times, the compatibility layer few, for really. for Windows in Linux, uh, and then there's the like subsystems for Linux and Unix and everything fucking else in Windows now that work fantastically. You can get a Unix terminal in Windows directly, and it works like a native terminal. It's fucking amazing. Um, that Which I've, I've been using thing. Git Bash. I've lived in Git Bash now for like, on Windows for like the last six or seven years of my career, just like spent, yeah. Git Bash was open at all times. So we've had these things and now it's natively uh -huh. supported, but I'm just pointing out, we've had these things. We have. The subsystem for Linux at least was in preview builds for a good long time uh, under Windows 10. When it turned into a mainline thing, it was a well-polished machine, really basically a virtual machine. Um, and it's 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 really well done, but you're right. You know that that has been around for a while. And you know when it started was as soon as Balmer left. Yeah. Uh, because you remember uh, we've talked about it before. The new Microsoft. With yep. The old air quotes, right? They're a whole deal for a good while. A major pivot in Windows and Microsoft in general was uh, the embrace of open source open standards, and compatibility. Who'd have thought that like Windows... the cloud guy would come in and be like, yeah, you know what, Linux and open source software, great stuff. Let's uh, let's do this, Microsoft. Oh, yeah. No, weird. Who could have seen it coming? Did not see it coming. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, and I mean, it's it's it makes a ton of sense in retrospect. Like, one of the biggest advantages that Windows has in the gaming space, since we've been talking about it, is backwards compatibility. Like, yeah, you get some breaks. Like when you went from uh, 98 to uh, Windows, what was it, 7, I think? Or 2000 to 7, or ME to 7? One of those. Uh, 7 broke a lot of stuff. 
it was seven. worth it yeah. because seven was amazing. But yeah, no, they broke a bunch of stuff and then they went back and fixed a bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, no, backwards compatibility in general has been a, a Microsoft and Windows legacy. Extending that into the open source space, uh, things like your native terminals for different systems, things like Proton, things like C Sharp running in mono, uh, all of that has made the ability for something like SteamOS possible. So, you know, credit where credit's due. That's really, really great. Um, now let's talk about the bad stuff. Fucking ads in the pro <laughs> version of Windows? Are you kidding? Is it in the pro version? It is in the pro version, oh, but... Me. It's in the pro version, but... So, uh, one of the things that Microsoft is bad at that uh, Apple does really well is the version naming of their systems. Hardware, software, whatever. Apple does versions really sanely, right? Uh, you know that you know iOS 8 is a more recent version than iOS 7. Sure, <laughs> makes sense. checks out. Then you have the Xbox, the Xbox X, the Xbox S, oh, the Xbox don't. SX... The series and what the f- S. The series, series S X Y Z Jesus. Yeah, no, it's it's fucking terrible. Yes, but um, the same thing carries over into the Windows operating system because yeah, the Pro version of Windows 11 will start showing ads eventually, uh, either in the start or in the notifications bar, some somewhere the ad platform is being integrated into the operating system. But there's a Pro, the Windows 11 Pro for workstations that has none of that. And that's the version that we all want. You would think that it was Pro, but it's not. It's Pro for workstations. What the f... Why is that so hard? Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, it was it was excited when uh, exciting when Microsoft said, "Okay, we're going to make a basic version of Windows free." And when that originally was mm. going to have you know ads and tracking in it, like I I'm Captain Fucking Data Privacy. Yeah. I fucking hate that. But I could understand they're giving away a free operating system. Sure. Okay. Okay, I can do that. The concept of that being in Pro, which God, you're making me want to look this up now. Like that sucks. That fucking sucks. Yeah, that's dumb. And then like. I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm maybe in the minority. If I'm going to have ads, I want them to be relevant to me. Like I don't want to see random <laughs> ass ads. I don't want fucking ads, bro. I don't want ads at all. But if I have to have ads, I'd like them to be for me. Um, and that's kind of their thing, right? Like they're personalized advertising, whatever. And when you install Windows 11, even Pro, it'll ask you, "Hey, do you want?" you know, add personalization on or off, and I think you can change it later. I've never really looked. I'm like, I guess leave it on, because the alternative is that I just start seeing really weird shit uh, when I don't want to. <laughs> I, I would rather see I'd the like, weird shit I'd like to have to see my weird shit. I don't want shit. tracking me. Yeah, they're going to do it anyway. It Like, telemetry is just a thing. But uh, You would be amazed you know, how good I am at dodging that shit, Zach. I yeah I believe you. Uh, anyway, so no, there there is a pro version of Windows that comes with basically nothing pre-installed. Like I think you get Edge, the calculator, calendar, and that's it. Um, and so 
the the workstation version does not is not included in the ad platform does it have curl because then i don't have to use edge to download firefox (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it has the whole it has the whole subsystems it has all the subsystems so yeah it has curl um but yeah no that's that's the version that we want and i didn't learn about it until about a month ago (sighs) fucking hell listen anyway yeah Uh. i mean it's I, I don't hate it overall. Like it, it still feels like in general, Windows has been taking two steps forward, even if there's the one step back. Um, that's still, you know, forward progress. Their interfaces have gotten a lot better. They have. Uh, I, I do have one complaint that's since been fixed. When Windows 11 launched, like went gold and launched, uh, I up, I upgraded because yeah, why not, right? I wasn't seeing any massive failures. Uh, there wasn't any massive compatibility. It was a straight upgrade. Like, you didn't have to reinstall anything. That's been great. Evergreen Windows is fantastic. That works wonderfully. Uh, it took them long enough. But uh, when I, I... I already told you, I have multiple monitors, right? One of the things that I was used to it was seeing the clock and date at the bottom corner of all of my monitors. You know, because the start bar is on everything oh there's right? no calendar in mac when you just click the time i want a calendar oh. i know i know i hate that so much uh well when windows 11 started the primary monitor would get that time and date and like the notification bar uh none of your secondary monitors would so like i'd be looking over at my secondary monitor looking you know while i'm playing a game or something just to check the time and it's just it's just not there. Somebody fixed that almost immediately, but it was uh, install this uh, package from GitHub <laughs> to extend Windows to get the time and date to show up on your secondary monitors. Uh, and it worked, and it worked fine. Um, now, uh, I don't know exactly when it happened, but now you don't need that anymore. Now Windows 11 has the time and date everywhere that it should be. But like, really? Really? What else did they just kind of skip? They always do just change little things, and I don't... I know they just want to make the UX better, but I don't always understand why they change them. Let's just thank God they're not doing... Uh, was it Windows 8 that had the Metro, like, the start menu? Yeah, like, Metro UI. closer to the side. Everything was designed to be tablets. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's just be glad they're that not was doing a giant pain. anymore. True, true. Uh mobile windows has gotten a ton better even though they don't really have a phone anymore uh that's maybe not true well no it's not true because they have the the surface phone i think uh which was a really really cool device uh by the way i think it's a couple years old now and they have a new version of it that's less cool but that was the one with the the two screens and you'd unfold it and it had a screen on the back um very very cool device if i was in a work environment that used windows mostly or really anything that used like teams and outlook like what a it was a really cool productivity device anyway tangent (laughs) their mobile stuff has gotten better despite not really having a huge mobile presence uh so that's cool the surface line of stuff is just still phenomenal i need a new surface laptop I hear great I things really... about all the Surface stuff. I don't know anything about their mobile market at all at this point, which is funny because, you know, technically yeah. I have been developing mobile games for years. Well, like, um, I, I mean, it's just, it, it's it's a UX profile, right? And even on the Surface 
laptops or tablets, you can switch what mode it's in with an option in your like uh, you know that that right bar menu. So like where your notifications are uh, down there, there's a button that you, you you click and it'll toggle you into like a desktop mode versus a tablet mode. And they work exactly the same. Tablet mode just uh, makes your apps full screen by default, pretty much. Um, which is all anybody ever really asked for from <laughs> from a Windows OS for a tablet environment. It was just, hey, get good touch support. Maybe multi-touch and gestures would be neat. Uh, but also, hey, maybe don't make me fiddle with tiny windows up the font and make everything full screen. That's all. And they were like, yeah, okay, sure. That's that's what you get. Uh, the Surface line of laptops is great because they were those those hybrid devices, right? Uh, so you could you know, detach your screen and use it as a standalone tablet or click it into its dock, basically, and get an extra battery and a keyboard and mouse. Um, and that was that was neat because, like, when you would undock it or redock it, it would switch the context. If you take it off and it's just a screen, it would switch itself automatically into tablet mode. It would even ask you and be like, hey, do you want me to do this automatically every time? Like, maybe some operating system should do with its network profiles and uh yeah when you <laughs> click it back, back in it'd burn. be like yeah it'd be like hey i'm gonna be in desktop mode now and it was great um still is great i really loved the hardware design that they had especially on the like first and second gen versions of those laptops they had this really cool hinge uh i don't think they quite do that anymore which is a shame but i mean also probably for very good reasons the screen wouldn't be flush against the the keyboard or the base of the device so when you closed it you'd have this air gap and the two you know planes of the laptop would be at an angle to each other meeting down at the point uh so if you maybe like dropped a heavy book on it you could snap the whole thing in half really easily not really easily it was a pretty beefy hinge but like more easily than you could something that was actually like uh, a solid combined thing. Anyway. Uh, and now we're talking about hardware for some reason. All right, all right, all right. Let's, yeah. uh, you know what's funny is we actually, I, I kind of originally when, uh, you know, this is all impromptu, right? Like originally I wanted mm-hmm. to do like a really short topic. So there's a whole bunch of news to talk about. So, um, oh yeah, I don't know. We can, let's, we can do some news. Yeah, let's, let's, let's jump into some news. But of course, before we get there, Zach, we have to thank our sponsor. I'm going to let you have fun with this one, Zach. Who is our sponsor for this evening? <laughs> Our sponsor is Kali Linux. If you need to do penetration testing and or nefarious illegal activities, Kali Linux is your first, best, and only choice. Go out and pack those Gibsons. All right. Yeah. Let's get to the news. Good news, everyone! Great news, everyone! Bad news, everyone! Uh-oh, I don't like the sound of that. You are? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I got a whole bunch of stuff in here. The first thing here is Disney World's Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is gonna shut down in late September. This was the thing that cost, like, you know, fucking how much? How many hundreds of dollars per person per day? Like, it was a plural thousand dollar vacation trip. Oh, yeah. It was like $5,000 a week for uh, one person or something. Maybe 10 if you wanted the really cool room. Oh, yeah. Just absurdly expensive. $1,200 per person per day with family packages uh, closer to $6,000 for a two-day excursion. Yeah. Okay. Wow. 
Jesus. It's worse than I remembered. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, it's expensive as fuck. Yeah. So, but I, I am not surprised. I am not surprised either. Uh, I guess Disney finally found a price point people wouldn't pay for Disneyland. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, okay, this thing was bound to fail. It's way too expensive. I'm not surprised. Blah 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 blah. I'm burnt out in Star Wars. Blah 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 blah. It is kind of a shame though. It's a really cool experiment. Um, I don't know if this will discourage anything else from being like these immersive LARPing vacation things. I don't know it. Part of me feels a little sad because it was a cool idea, despite not being a Disney person, despite not being a Star Wars person. What's I don't know. What's your take? I I agree. Like I think the the concept of having that immersive experience was really strong. I think the weakness was making it a hotel instead of something that you maybe spent you know two or three hours with, like a long movie would have been about the length of time that you could maybe reasonably expect somebody to pay a reasonable price for and get the throughput that you'd need to make that a successful venture. Adding it to a hotel, making it a 24-7 kind of thing, like it doesn't really take a huge amount of math to figure out that you know, 24-7, <laughs> a 24-hour show, a 48-hour show for a weekend... Is, is an expensive thing to produce. Yes, it is. I mean, I, so I've done the uh, next time you come to SoCal, we'll, we'll go to Disneyland. And I've done the Star Wars, uh, what's it called? Rise of the Resistance ride, which is almost just kind of like, a, again, a LARPing experience type thing. It's really cool. Sure. It's really unique. Yeah. It's over the top as fuck. And that's like, you know, 10 minutes. Um, so, yes, 24 hours seems excessive. But what's what's the in between? Like, okay, we don't make it a hotel. It's not a completely immersive experience. But what what else is there in between a ride and a hotel? Like, is it is it a ball? Like, you go there for, like, an evening of drinks and dinner? Is it it's just restaurants? Like, what is, what is in between? I mean, have you ever done a murder mystery party? Uh, no, but I know of them. And now that you're saying that, okay, I think I see where you're going with this. So, yeah, typically if you're doing it with a troupe that's, like, producing or, or hosting that kind of uh, thing regularly, it's a dinner party, basically. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. We did, and I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really thrilled with how it turned out, so I'm going to sound like I'm bragging a little bit. We, we did a murder mystery party for Callie for her birthday a few years ago, uh, actually right before COVID. Um and we just, you know, did it at a bar, you know, a reasonably small bar and a cocktail bar. And they were super cool because we basically took over their whole space. <laughs> they knew where we were coming. So they like made us a couple of signature drinks, which is really nice of them. Um, and just, yeah, no, it, it was, you know, role play. Everybody had a part. It was socialization. Um, and it's that sort of like, you're, you're, here's your premise. Go. And you're in an environment where you're just... You know, playing, basically. And that's fun. And if you did that and upped the experience to a Disney level, I think you'd have something really special. It doesn't necessarily have to be cocktails. It doesn't even necessarily have to be dinner. But that sort of thing uh, would, I think, or could work really well. So, yeah, it doesn't need to be something where you spend the night. 
but you could get a good three hours out of that easily. Yeah, no, I, I like... And come away with something that's very much the meat of what they did with that uh, hotel experience, just condensed down into something that's way easier to manage, to produce, to uh, really just to put on. To afford. Right? Yeah. See, I, I didn't originally want to say just dinner or just a restaurant right because like to me just a yeah. restaurant is like oh god people are just going to walk in there with with flip-flops and smartphones they're not going <laughs> to engage it's just it's, it's going to devolve into something lame really fast but you know your your experience you're talking about here the the murder mystery is awesome i'm thinking about how uh for my company holiday party last year we went to a place at like a seven course dinner so it was a plural hour engagement you now you're you're I, I wasn't being creative you are making me think okay there are options there I don't know. I, I think the whole hotel is being scrapped and shuttered, but maybe they'll break it down into little things like that. Maybe that still has a chance at, at life. Um, I don't know. That'd be really cool, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they had some neat things. Um, they had some really hokey things, too. But, like, the idea of, hey, you're showing up into this hell, into this hell, in this hotel <laughs> uh, with your with your coat. Yeah, with your cohort of guests, and you are basically, you know, walking on to a ship in the Star Wars universe, and you've got your your captain and your actors, and you've got the you know screens on the windows, and you jump to hyperspace. Uh, yeah, that's all very cool, but it's also stuff that you can do in the course of an evening. Oh man, do you remember? Right? Do you remember the fifth element where, like, they're on the, the ship with the um, the opera and they're like, you know, oh, the ship's gonna go higher into orbit later in the day. Like, oh, they could make the the screens based on the, the time of day. Oh, dude. Yeah. It's not cool things here. No, it was super neat. Um, I, I, I just, I really think combining it with the hotel was just, just too wrong much. move. Too much. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. it too much. It was too much for anybody to really cope with. Uh, you know, the production staff and crews, uh, the guests themselves, like you can suspend your disbelief for a few hours. Doing it for multiple days is tough. Uh, if you're not like into that, you know. So, mm. I mean, again, even I as someone know. who's burnt out on Star Wars, I still could totally get into that. If it wasn't, if it wasn't six thousand dollars, Zach, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, man, let's go, let's go have a weekend. Yeah. This would be fun. But like, I'm yeah. not gonna pay six thousand goddamn dollars for that. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I mean, like, seven hundred for a weekend per person is not cheap for sure, but way more reasonable than twelve hundred. You know, three fifty a night is a nice hotel. Uh, three fifty a night in L.A. at Disney is a pretty reasonable ask, I feel. But Jesus, twelve hundred. No, they, yeah, that no. that just, yeah, you really got to cut that price in half for it to be even considerable. And you know, the amount of throughput that you would need for an experience like that to make it a profitable endeavor would still be tough the margins cannot be that good don't know right i don't know all right so let's uh let's burn through i think there's some headlines i actually want to talk about and others that we'll just mention so uh mortal kombat 1 was announced so mortal kombat's being rebooted again because like my friend was telling me that just like two games ago was a story reboot and they they've rebooted multiple times already now they're going back to one i don't know i don't care about mortal kombat do you care about mortal kombat not especially. I mean, I appreciate the uh, impact that it's had on the history of gaming, but other than that, nah, it's not really my thing. Yeah, same here. Okay, one more gaming thing. Um, 
So the Nintendo Switch online service, when you have the expansion pack, i.e. the more expensive tier, you also get access to their emulators, including the Game Boy Advance emulators. <gasps> They're finally releasing more. It's so hard to talk about these things because Nintendo's naming is almost as bad as Microsoft's, but not quite. <laughs> um, so anyway, they're bringing more Game Boy Advance games to Nintendo Switch Online, and they're bringing the three Mario Advance games. Now, this mm. is on par with Microsoft's naming because, like, Super Mario Advance 1, 2, and 3 are not like Mario 1, 2, and 3. Like, Super Mario Advance 1 is actually Mario 2. Super Mario Advance 2 is actually, like, Super Mario World. And Super Mario Advance 3 is, like, their their numbering is so god-awful. I also yeah. don't understand why they're doing this because the SNES emulator, which is free, you don't... I don't think you need the expansion pass for that one. Um, that has... Uh, Super Mario All-Stars and Super Mario World already. So now you're getting the handheld shrunken down with a few new features added to them. Game Boy, like, why would they do this? I don't... I mean, I'm all for put more shit on the service, but, like, this seems so redundant and useless. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know enough about the games. Maybe there was, like, some enhancement that they made to the games themselves for those versions that people miss. Uh, I would only be speculating yeah yeah fuck it okay here's I, I there's a couple more headlines after this but i don't even know if they're worth mentioning uh so here's one that i think is fun i want to talk about for a minute willow and a whole bunch of other series are leaving disney plus so disney lost like a billion dollars last year some shit on their streaming service and now as a cost-cutting measure they're they're cutting things out of Disney Plus. And I don't know if that's because of licensing fees. I don't know if that's because of residuals. It, it sure ain't storage space. Hard drives are cheap. Um, <laughs> so they're moving stuff, including like, you know, Willow was just like six months ago kind of thing. So yeah, like there's a whole bunch of stuff in this list that I, I don't know, but it's it's pretty goddamn large. But we have, you know, Willow, the world coordinate Jeff Goldblum, uh, Why the Last Man, all of this stuff. What's obviously none of the Star Wars shit's leaving. Uh, it's it's kind of weird to me that they're they're cutting. I mean, especially something like Willow that I thought they just owned outright. I don't understand where the savings is coming from because I don't understand this market. What's I don't know. What's yeah. your take on all this? So uh, the cynic in me immediately thinks of the writers' strike and that removing things from the stream. This is one of the the main like points of why the writers guild is striking is that they're not getting the uh the royalty credit for things that are on streaming platforms that they got for other types of media and part of that is restructuring uh this may be generous they, they've been basically sort of over time relegated to gig workers rather than true creative uh, contributors to media and so you have uh, people that are listed in the credits for these shows that would get royalties for this that are now striking and by removing them from the streaming platform they're no longer going to get those royalties yeah, I hadn't considered that which is a really fucked up place to go uh, <laughs> well I, I like, consider I, the not royalties part but that relating that to the writer's strike I certainly mm -hmm. hadn't connected those dots yeah, I mean that's that's the it's 
it's sad that that's the first place that my mind goes is like yeah. oh what is this evil mouse corporation doing to fuck over their creative uh you know contributors but like that's honestly maybe not a stretch uh it's a bunch of stuff and it's stuff that they can get away with pulling without like causing a bunch of people to drop off the platform entirely like if they dropped star wars and hey maybe they save a bunch of money on royalties for dropping star wars but then everybody cancels their disney plus subscription so where does that leave them uh yeah but they can get away with cutting things like willow and why the last man and a few other dozen shows that i really personally have never watched on disney plus so yeah oh yeah i don't know so a little shady maybe Maybe it's just like <laughs> they they were looking at their their lowest viewership numbers and decided to cut the bottom ten percent. Who knows? Okay, so here here are some numbers, and I don't know anything about the context of this. So apparently, the streaming platforms plural because Disney owns Disney Plus and Hulu. I don't think they own any others, but they own those two. Apparently, they've lost uh, more than a billion dollars in the platform. I also don't know if that's in one year or in total. Obviously, Disney Plus was, you know, uh, what, what's the term? Cost leader? Is that the right term uh, when it launched? Yeah, something it, like that. Yeah, it was it was the gateway. You you lose uh, a lost leader. Lost leader. Thank you. Um, yeah. Because they were trying to get into that market, right? And they were going to have to mm-hmm. compete. Um, so I don't know where that billion is divided from or how they calculate it. Uh, but apparently, you know, Bob Iger is trying to cut $3 billion in savings in 2023. And reportedly, the removal of this content will save up to $1.5 billion. I got to tell you, I don't fully understand those numbers. That, like, these shows are going to save $1.5 billion being cut. I, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't follow. And the other thing I have to wonder, and again, I don't, I don't know shit about this type of business. So take this with a grain of salt. Um you know, they say they've lost more than a billion. Again, I don't know what how long that has lost more than one billion. I don't know if that includes some licensing exchanges from right hand to left hand with Hulu or buying back streaming content from other places. I also can't help but wonder if this is very, uh, the accounting has done a very creative job of reporting the profits and losses so that it looks like one segment of the business is a huge loss so they can write it off for tax purposes. I'm pretty cynical about all these numbers because the Disney Corporation yeah. owns a lot of shit. And a lot of these numbers are really weird to me. For sure. Well, and there was like that that whole uh, scheme in Hollywood that you'd hear about, like actors or writers or you know basically anybody would sign on for a percentage of the net profits from a movie or a show or whatever. But then the balance sheet shows that it made a net loss even if it grossed a billion two billion three billion dollars because yeah all of that money went back into production stuff for reasons yeah, creative so, like accounting, the net is right? zero yeah it's it's fucked up but um yeah it could be a bunch of things it um it, it could just be as simple at least you know removing stuff from streaming platforms could just be another uh, instance of Disney's strategy of vaulting shit, right? They're really good at creating false scarcity where none should exist. That, that's exactly what my girlfriend engagement. said. They're putting it all in the vault and they'll bring it back with <laughs> Disney Plus Expansion Pass Series S. <laughs> I mean, it makes, if I wanted to be really generous, it would make a little bit of sense. 
you know, something like Willow. Willow didn't get a ton of attention, didn't get the attention that maybe the cult status of Willow, the movie, uh, maybe indicated that it should. I did hear it was good, And though. so by... Oh, yeah, no, I heard it was... Well, I, I, I heard mixed things, but... Um, yeah, I think the production was fine, and the acting was great, and it was probably a very entertaining show. I haven't watched it, so I can't say for sure, but like now seeing that it's been removed the next time it comes back, that it probably won't motivate me personally enough, but it's a little bit of extra weight in the column of, hey, I should get on this and watch it while it's available, because it might just be gone soon, you know? Uh, so, Not false. again... I, I did think Again, about that. That crossed my mind. It's it's a generous, maybe too generous explanation for what they're doing. Uh, it's a marketing strategy more than it is anything nefarious. Uh, so you kind of don't fault it that much. It's still not, you know, <laughs> the best, uh, most consumer-oriented thing to do. But, you know, they're, they're a business, and this is driving discussion Hence, we're talking about it. So, you know, it's it's publicity. Oh, yeah. Free advertising on the QQ cast, baby! Yeah. Yeah, right. I really hope that it's not anything that directly impacts anybody that's dealing with, uh, partic- especially participants, but anybody associated with the Writers Guild strike. Because, you know, the last time... You remember the 2009 strike and the way everything went to shit. Um. I expect more yep. of the same this time around, and I hope that they get a reasonable deal out of it because we, turns out, and we've learned this lesson more than once, need these writers uh, in order to get the kind of you know, art and content that we've come to expect. Uh, it's oh, a good thing for everybody. Let's not even get into the paying people wages at this point. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't get it, dude. I just really don't get it. Um, mm. you know, again, they're talking about there's a billion dollars in losses, guys. The writer's strike demands aren't a billion dollars, like no. not even fucking close. Um, ugh. okay, let's uh just real quick to brush over some of these other headlines. Uh, Disney apparently has a finished Alien vs Predator anime series that it's just sitting on and not releasing. Um, gimme, gimme, Wild. gimme, 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 gimme. Yeah, why? I didn't even know. Wait, did I know that they were making one? I didn't. We know. might have. I, we might have, like, brushed over it one of the last times we were talking about aliens and predators and things uh, as a rumor. But, like, yeah, it, that was news to me that they finished it, certainly. Pretty yeah, sure it's news to me that they were producing it. Someone so. said, yeah, someone said this during Alien Day, that it's it's done, it's in the can, it's mixed, it's finished, it was produced. Like, and they're just sitting on it. Why? Gimme, 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 gimme? I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't know. Probably, I don't know, there's some marketing thing to all this. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's fair fair criticism to a bunch of uh, intellectual properties that were released with insufficient marketing uh, and did not get the recognition that they deserved because of that. Uh, Fox was notorious for doing shit like that, right? And Probably. so if their, if their ultimate scheme is to be like, hey, great that it's finished, but we kind of didn't have a chance to get this in front of people and get them excited about it, so let's hold off on releasing until we can do that? Uh, okay. If they just never release it, then something was really, really wrong. Agreed. And, I'd be, and I'd be really interested in the documentary about it. 
Okay, uh, one more headline just to mention, and that is that uh, the Futurama revival has a date. July 24th will be season 11. You know, again, we've, oh. we've said it on the podcast yeah. before, though. I- I'm personally, I'm not excited. I love Futurama. It needs to go away now. It needs to be done. <laughs> I love it. It needs to end. I don't fully disagree. Um, I think you're right. It's definitely had its time, and it could be... It would be well deserved to take the bow and get off the stage uh that said i really love futurama and more futurama content is not entirely unwelcome so i'm gonna watch it uh i am also just personally a huge fan of billy west so really anything that he's involved with uh is gonna get a a rubber stamp check mark from me oh yeah no he's great so yeah, I, I mean, I also personally would love to see the next season of uh, Disenchantment, like, sooner than is, later. Is That'd that, be great. Is it actually greenlit? Are they making I another one? I have no idea. I have no idea. I try not to look. Yeah, I never uh, saw a cancellation, closely. so... No. Ugh, Disenchantment's um, a series I want to love, and I've, just, I've watched all of it, and it just doesn't... Well, I don't know. We, I think we've discussed it in the cast before. We'll discuss it some other time. Yeah. It just doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. Okay, last last headline that we're not going to talk about before we watch the uh, trailer and get out of here for tonight. Um, Twitch streamer Amarath now has an AI bot you can chat with, but apparently, like you have to like be a paid subscriber to shock, talk with her her chat bot. It's. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, so um, there are already like AI companion apps, and they're meant to uh, sort of marketed at people that like really are, are in need of some kind of social connect, connection at all. Um, there have been some really disturbing headlines out of that space uh, that I don't want to go into. But it's also just, it's not surprising that somebody's going to take the, especially the recent advancements in AI and GPTs in particular, and try and figure out a way to leverage it for their business. So yeah, this is a voice. Ah, yeah. This is a voice chat AI. Apparently, it's yeah. gonna talk in her voice. I look, man. I can't believe, honestly, that people pay for this shit. Um, but hey, if you want to, good on you. And I'm gonna say for her, what a fucking entrepreneur. Like, I, oh look, yeah. I I once saw her walking through a hallway at uh at BlizzCon. I don't know anything about her. I've never watched her stream. I've seen snippets on Reddit, obviously. What a fucking entrepreneur. I, I genuinely can't believe people... She's very attractive. I can't believe people are paying for this shit. But she is creative as fuck. She pushes every boundary. I I mean, I, I, from a business standpoint, I gotta respect it. Like, oh. oh, yeah. No, at the at the very least, intellectually, it's not for me. And that's okay. I'm not her target audience, and that's fine. Uh, she has found a really lucrative niche for herself and that does deserve some pretty some pretty good kudos so yeah no all all the applause speaking of though the uh uh like ai voice emulation stuff there is a youtube series uh, i actually found it on tiktok but it's a youtube series that uh, has the former presidents of the united states playing video games together oh, Jesus and God, it is heaven. just it is just fucking hilarious because like the <laughs> The AI voices are so spot on. Uh, anyway, it's really fun. Uh, Terrifying, but also fun. Yeah, and we will do a chat GPT AI big 
episode someday. I uh, just, I don't know. I've just not felt prepared to talk about it yet. Um, okay, mm. Zach, let's end with the trailer. Wait, 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 wait. There's one more thing. Okay. Really, really quick. Strange New Worlds, that's, June 15th. That's the trailer. Coming soon to a cinema near you. In a land that... No, in a land... In a time... I don't think so. In a land before time. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> Go to the bottom of QQ News. Um, oh, I didn't even talk about... Oh, I, I forgot to talk about it. Sony has a whole... Did a whole event recently. They announced a new handheld. I don't know. We'll, we'll QQ News that one next time. Um, yeah, trailer at the bottom of QQ News. All right, give me a second. There it is. Oh, I didn't realize that was the trailer. I'm sorry. So good. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, Futurama is coming yeah. in July, and oh wait, there's another thing that I care even more about that's coming even sooner. And I, I hear so there excited. is a crossover debut in this. So, uh, dear oh. li- Zach, tell dear listener what we're about to watch. This is Star Trek: Colon Strange New Worlds Pipe Season Two official trailer. Pipe Paramount Plus. I think the Amarath chatbot has smoother, smoother voice than you. Actually, I'm gonna say. Yes. With your unnatural colon, strange new worlds, unnatural pipe. <laughs> we are going into a strange new world. Oh. All right. In three, two, one, play. Yes, 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 yes. Now, you watched uh, Stranger World Season 1, right? Sometime soon, oh, yeah. I actually watched it twice. It's very good. Oh, God, I need to watch it. You're not the only you one who said it's great. Oh, man. It's it's just as good, if not better, uh, the second time. Like, it's a very good show. <laughs> oh. it, is, it is Kurtzman Trek, but I hear it's the best of the Kurtzman Trek. So. It's really good. Oh, hey. Uh, Winona Earp is back. I don't know who that is. As the, uh, the captain, uh, in the first episode that he was sleeping with. Hold on to your saddles. Oh, already then. Yeah. We are explorers. It's easy to forget how awesome that is. That's the mission. It's what we love most. Klingon blood wine. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. Fox gonna have sex. <laughs> the odds of all of us being here at this time. Oh yeah, her. It's when he was kissing. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Together. I am. I'm waiting for the crossover. Come on, do it. Surprise. That's it. Right there. Zach, so explain to dear listener who is crossing over in Strange New Worlds. Oh, those are the those are the kids from Lower Decks. I you also live. Yep. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, what a fantastic casting. Yeah. Uh, well, so that that is Jack Quaid. That is the guy who voices Spoiler. And then um, oh, Mariner. I think it might also be the uh, the voice actress of Mariner. I think that might be the the real voice actor and actress in that. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh man, have, have you, have you watched any Lower Decks? I did. I watched, like, watched like the whole first season. I need to watch more. I I really thoroughly enjoyed Lower Decks. I think I'd said it's before. Good. Yeah, like the first three or four episodes, which were clearly like the first batch made for like the sample. Yeah, were, yeah. They're they're 
shakedown. Yeah, they were shakedown crews, and they're very Rick and Morty. And then immediately after that, that show just found its footing very fast and just it is genuinely funny. It's genuinely, you know, leans into, I think more than just nostalgia, just leans into the lore of the original Trek and pokes fun at it like fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first, at least the first, oh, oh, I just knocked something over in the house. The first season of Lower Decks. I need to watch more. Oh, yeah. Keep kicking this. God damn it. <laughs> now, Lower Decks is fantastic. It is easily my second favorite Star Trek show. Uh, is Strange New Worlds number one, or is Picard season three strange, number one? Strange New Worlds is definitely number one. Um, strange New Worlds is, I think, my favorite Star Trek show overall, um, which is nuts. Like, it's no very, way. It's, overall, it's, more than Next Gen or DS9? It's very, very good. God it doesn't have... Yeah, I know. It doesn't have the legacy. It doesn't have the um uh what's the what's the word I'm looking at? Uh um, pedigree? No. No, no, no. It doesn't have the tenure oh, that okay, the other yeah. shows do. Uh because it's, you know, one season season 2 is coming out. But my god. It is it's it's all the best parts of every Star Trek to date in one show. And that is it, it's just a fantastic show and i don't really want to say more than that because you just need yep. to watch it yep don't overhype it <laughs> but lower decks is, is is a really not not even very distant second uh it's it's a very funny show it's uh easy to watch it's uh like you said it, it takes it, it's reflective in a way that is um yeah funny but it, it, it is it, a comedic deconstruction of star trek uh i think yeah. it really does they do a lot of the same good stuff that um uh what's it called uh the Orville does. You know, it's another comedy and they do a lot of the same things, you know, poking fun at not Star Trek in specific, although it's it's there, but uh the optimistic sci-fi in general and they do it with comedy and it's very very good. Their last season was phenomenal. Really, I know it has DS9, uh, which means I need to fucking watch it because, goddamn, I love DS9. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, there's a lot of good sci-fi out right now, and a lot of it is Star Trek, <laughs> which is just really heartwarming. There, me. there's just so much content; it is it is genuinely difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, well, actually, one thing to quickly talk about because really, this is a long fucking episode. Sorry, dear listener, because uh, Ruli's not here, and you know we we love to talk about Star Trek. Um, you watched Picard season three. I did not, but I know yep. all the fucking spoilers. So the whole um, Terry Metalis v Alex Kurtzman as the showrunner, like Picard season three, apparently had by far the highest ratings of any new Trek period, which doesn't surprise me because nostalgia, but also people genuinely like the quality of it. And Terry Metalis was the showrunner behind that, that, as I understand it, really was completely separated from Kurtzman and the rest of the Trek franchise. So a lot of people mm-hmm. are, are uh, wanting Star Trek Legacy, another show that would be run by Metalis. Um, Kurtzman's contract, I think, is up in 2024. He had control of that goddamn franchise for like 10 fucking years. Um, I don't know. what What is your – I don't know if you know anything about the behind the scenes. I only know the basics. What, what's your take on the subject? Yeah, no, I I have a surface level understanding of the uh the personalities and and people involved. It doesn't surprise me that uh the most recent season of Picard was more successful not under Kurtzman. Like I 
Mm. Picard seasons one and two were fucking shit shows. They really were, but like, I, I don't know, like Kurtzman Trek in general is not my favorite, which is really <laughs> tough to say I, because, again, love Strange New Worlds. Really, really do. It's 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 really, really good. Uh, so I don't know what it is about that formula that he works really well with. Uh, but, you know, the um, I, I feel where the breakdown typically is is the uh the season arcs um those just don't hit the same they're so dumb oh my god disco's season arcs are so dumb i dude we we, we talked about disco on the show i wanted to like disco uh it it looks great it's acted great it sounds great it there's so much there and the stories are just not this isn't a woke bullshit thing the stories are just not compelling the ai plot no. in season two is dumber than a box of rocks yeah like a an episode of discovery is better than a season for sure like the it, it definitely had more emphasis in that show on the season arc than it needed to and you can see uh again not really going to talk about it in any kind of depth but strange new worlds does have a season arc it's just so far in the background that it it works just yeah. fine the episodes are really well much more than the other series self-contained and that's kind of the point for a lot of these stories they're uh, as close to anthologies as you can get and you can see you know the character development over the course of the season uh, soon to be seasons uh, as the the crew starts to gel with each other and relationships forming, you start to care about people a lot more. Uh, and they have multi-episode arcs that aren't full seasons that come into play. And really, they do a really good job of uh, Chekhov's gunning a bunch of stuff and having that pay off. But when you have the primary focus of the series be those big long arcs i don't think kurtzman does that very well no i i've Um, never been impressed with any of the bad robot crews writing i i i downright despise the writing of uh horsey kurtzman and uh oh god who's the third guy i don't even remember anymore but like you know you know in the in the last podcast we did jeopardy and it was like what are the the biggest reboot bombs of all time and they were back to back 2014 through 2017 Mm. three out of the four of them i think were written by like kurtzman and orsi like one of them actually the mummy the tom cruise reboot mummy was written and directed by fucking kurtzman i do not like this man i do not like his output i think he has ruined franchises aliens spider-man star trek i do not like this this man (laughs) yeah oh now and so yeah i i think having the the third season of picard under anybody else uh really really saved it they didn't have a ton to work with going in like the two seasons prior really were a mess um the only thing that was keeping them afloat really at all is the nostalgia factor like I love Patrick Stewart. I'm going to watch everything that he's in, <laughs> personally. And Star Trek is a big part of his repertoire, for better or worse. So, you know, that's fine. Uh, leaning into the Next Generation crew and really just kind of turning that third season into, um, like, a Generations 
series instead of just like the Generations movie. It was about as good as we were ever going to get. And honestly, that's fine. It didn't need to be much more than that. Um, and it was fun, and it was well-produced, and the special effects were great. I uh, really loved seeing... Um, oh, shit. I always forget her. Jerry Ryan. Jerry Ryan. Uh, oh, as, yeah. as Seven of Nine. She's fantastic. Uh, love her. Love that... Uh, <laughs> love that Jerry Ryan getting onto Voyager directly led to Obama's presidency. What a butterfly effect. Uh, something else. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, she's she's fun. Like, I would love to see a, uh, like, uh, what, was, what was the the group that she was part of? Something Rangers? Oh, like, I see. I don't even remember how stupid that was. And I know. pointless. Didn't go any, didn't come from anywhere, didn't go anywhere, didn't mean anything. It's fucking pointless. Yeah. No, I'd love to see an episode, uh, not an episode, I'd love to see a series with her. Just, you know, like, in the Rangers. Maybe with uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh. Being being weird with Section Thirty One, like oh, just that shit's canceled. Absolutely off the fucking wall. That shit is canceled. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, but it would be fun. It would be fun. It wouldn't necessarily be like, you know, capital S T Star Trek. Yeah, but See, you I, know, playing in that universe with those characters would would not be unwelcome. I I need to watch Picard season three at some point because I hear it's good, especially the first four episodes are supposed to be like phenomenal. Um. Because, like, I, I hear it's good, but I also am pretty critical of how hard it leaned into nostalgia. Like, I don't, you know, I'm I'm annoyed by Star Wars. I'm annoyed by Indiana Jones. I'm annoyed by the mis- nostalgia machine that I'm just bored by, by at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I also do want to be self-critical as a Star Trek fan of, like, was the best Trek in recent years the best because it was good? Or was it good because it was just drenched in nostalgia and so i want to be critical of it and so at some point i need to watch it so i can actually have a fully formed opinion on the subject yeah no and it the the nostalgia factor is high for sure especially in the third season you know they get the whole tng bridge crew back together um and that's i mean it's fun sure yeah, you can kind of see through it because it's it's pretty transparent what they're doing. But at the same time, it's lore for all of these characters. And I love lore. Uh, I think Michael Dorn and Worf added the most, personally. And I don't want to say more than that, but I really enjoyed his, uh, his addition to that character in this, uh, especially this last season. So, you know. Oh, need to watch, need to watch. Fine. Fine. You need to watch Strange New Worlds first, though. I I do. Uh, Strange New Worlds or, and or watch Picard season three and then Strange New Worlds as a palate cleanser. Maybe so, but no, I need to watch Strange <laughs> New Worlds and Lower Decks because I I was enjoying Lower Decks a lot. You've said mm. how great Strange New Worlds is. I, dude, it's it is so hard for me to get motivated to watch stuff. Pathetically so. Like I, depression's a bitch. So, so you could. Uh, if you find yourself with a spare hour, you could watch the first episode of Strange New Worlds. It stands alone, and yeah. it is emblematic of how that season goes. All right. I, you know, the the girlfriend and I just finished up watching a series. She's a huge uh, D&D and um, uh, Critical Role fan, so we, we watched Vox Machina, the, the animated oh, show. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, we just finished up season two, and so now there's an opening in the the rotation. So maybe I will request to watch Strange New Worlds. She wouldn't. She probably wouldn't enjoy uh, Lower Decks because again, it's just so much Trek in that. But <laughs> I feel like Lower. I think Strange New Worlds might be might be a winner. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does it dovetails off the end of uh Captain Pike's uh debut in Discovery. Yeah, I, I know so, it, it opens you know, with him being, you know, depressed because of the revelation, but I'm also, from my mm-hmm. understanding, it doesn't dwell on that. It opens on that and then it moves right the fuck on. Yeah, it it really doesn't dwell on it. It's fantastic. And uh the the opening, <laughs> I really love it because it has wonderful parallels to like well generations and um the original series he's on a farm in winter in montana yeah and they and they bring a shuttlecraft down and say we need you back in the chair jim oh man (laughs) (laughs) i love that personally but honestly that works like on its own just works it's good it's maybe a little trophy but it's good and the rest of the show is just wonderful i don't mind a little trope little trope's fine yep Oh, all right, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us for this long and rambly, but I, I don't know, man, I this was fun. I like talking operating systems in Star Trek with you. <laughs> so <laughs> awful with it. Oh, yep, fuck. Yep, 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 yep. Good times. All right, uh, dear listener, thanks so much for joining us. Please always remember that all any and all views expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends, family, co-hosts, or co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality. Zach, what music are we going to go out on tonight? Uh, just, just say the TOS theme. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be the TOS theme. Just do it. <laughs> I just got bored. Everybody out.